0: I'm Arlene Bynen, uh, sitting in for Alex Pearson tonight. Of course, we've been talking about Afghanistan and uh, the liberals and the election and all these things. It seems that uh, every hour there's either a new picture or a video that sticks in our heart and makes us ask a lot of questions. It is time to check in with Tom Korski, managing editor of BlackLocks. Reporter. Tom, how are you?
1: I'm well, thank you, Arlene.
0: All right, Tom, you know we're all asking questions about what happened with Canada. At first it just seemed like chaos, and now we're learning that there may have been no plan. We've had some contradicting reporting of what was done when the embassy in Kabul was closed, and what kind of plan and preparation, what are you finding out here?
1: Well, they closed that embassy knowing for a fact that there were Canadian citizens. These are not local Uh, talent that was hired or assisted the Department of National Defense during the war. These are Canadian citizens, just like you and I, and they were trapped inside that country when they closed the embassy. But more uh, disturbingly, if that's possible, Arlene, there's no excuse for this. There's a federal report. the Security Intelligence Service, dating uh, back from January 2019, in which it reads like a Yellow Pages guide on what will happen the moment U.S. forces announce their troop withdrawal from Afghanistan. It is a blow-by-blow, cautionary report that accurately predicts Everything that has happened in the last two weeks, Arlene, they've had that report for two years, and they did nothing with it. They had no evacuation plan. It's absolutely obvious now.
0: Tom, we've been getting, uh, you know, conflicting reports, actually, from Ottawa. First of all, saying, you know, there was no plan. This was a surprise, as you say. Uh, Clearly, there was a template laid out that this was very possible. And then we had... Justin Trudeau, Prime Minister Trudeau, saying, well, you know, we couldn't get people out because they couldn't get to the airport. And then we're learning all the lack of ability this country had to get people to the airport when the French were storming the barricades. And then we're hearing stories of those who did risk their life and managed to get there, wandering around looking for a Canadian flag.
1: It it was after the fact, Arlene. I mean, you have the boat drill before the ship hits the iceberg. (laughs) You That's called planning. And, And they had a boat drill, and it was published by CSIS two years ago. It's a public document. I don't think anyone at the embassy read it. If they had... They would have been told, quote-unquote in this report, that bombs will rain down on Kabul the moment the U.S. announces its withdrawal. The, the country will quickly collapse. I'm quoting from the report. The Taliban will instantly seize power, and there will be chaos. Well, that would prompt anyone, any federal government employee in Kabul, to have a plan, and the plan would be you would have a list of all Canadian citizens in the country. You would say, look, at, we need your contact information. We're going to tell you on short notice when you need to start packing up, have your luggage packed, get the kids to the airport, not after the fact, before you close the embassy. That's when you have the boat drill, when the boat is still on the water, Why wouldn't they do that, Arlene? How could they not read that report? It doesn't make any sense.
0: This is all happening. I don't have to remind you, during an election campaign in 2015, there was an image that perhaps changed the results of that campaign. Uh, There is uh, this report that now is laying down that this was indeed informed to our government that this could happen is this going to stick in the, in the electorate's mind? We can't get the images out of our mind. Canadians don't usually pay all that much attention to foreign affairs, but we know emotion and we know things that are wrong when we see it.
1: Well, we, there is one takeaway, and I think it will resonate. And it's a very broad one, but it's valid. We just went through a pandemic and we're still stuck with it. There was a pandemic plan, too. It was signed by Dr. Mm-hmm. Tam. It was absolutely straightforward. They laid it out in black and white, Arlene, stock the warehouses, minimum four months supply, get ready for disruption of the workforce, minimum 15,000 deaths. This was all in the pandemic plan, and the public health agency ignored it. There was a, a cable collapse plan, and they ignored it. So the question is, why is failure an option? for managers in this organization? Why is that always an option for the government of Canada to screw it up, excuse my language, to fail, and then walk away and say, we're going to have to have some committee meetings, Arlene. We're going to have lessons learned. How many times do we have to go through that? And the consequences are dreadful. In the case of the pandemic, people died and a quarter million small businesses were destroyed. It's unbelievable, Arlene.
0: And this is, again, happening at a time where Canadians can weigh in. When Trudeau was asked why we're having this election, he said he thinks Canadians deserve a choice. They may regret that comment, Tom.
1: You know, Arlene, uh, I know there was some criticism when the election was called. No one Mm -hmm. said they, you know, the comment was made that no one wanted it. I personally agreed with the Prime Minister on, on financing a loan. I don't think Cabinet can spend two-thirds of a trillion dollars, which is they borrowed and spent two-thirds of a trillion, without the taxpayers having a say. I thought it was perfectly legitimate to have an election. They wanted it, and they're going to get it.
0: All right, we've got uh, focus on the media here. We have We Charity serving Canada land with a libel notice, apparently, about a podcast that they are worried about being released and saying the contents of this podcast are, are filled with allegations and what they are saying are untruths. What does this mean? I mean, whenever this happens within the media industry, we take a good look. Are these an attempt to stop investigations? Are these an attempt to shut down reporting? What do you make of this one?
1: Well, anyone can send a lawyer's letter. It, it's, it's the price of postage. And that's what this is. Uh, it's interesting that the Keelburkers invoke the Libel Act now. Because from what we understand, there's nothing in the podcast that has not been spoken to in Commons Committee hearings going back over the past year and a half. Hearings that cost Finance Minister Bill Morneau his job. He resigned almost exactly a year ago uh, for... A breach of the Conflict of Interest Act involving his many personal, intimate dealings with We Charity before he voted for a $43.5 million grant. We has been a real mess for cabinet, Arlene. Um, there have been so many investigations that exposed really um, unfair dealings, unfair to other suppliers, unfair to taxpayers, unfair to people who are interested in value for money. And uh, it, it's, it, it, it's no gift to the uh, cabinet seeking re-election today to have We Charity back in the news. I, I get the idea there's no love lost there between cabinet. They were once so close. And well, now it's <laughs> ashes of love all burnt out, Arlene.
0: Yeah. Well, what would this accomplish, though? As you say, there's been a lot of statements and a lot of allegations that's happening in the political arena, and it's also happened in other parts of the media. Why now and why this, do you think? Well,
1: you know, under Ontario law, it's different in all the provinces because uh, each province has its own defamation and libel act. Under Ontario law, you have a very short notice to file your lawyer's letter, and then three months. So the that will be, takes them after election day, but they have 90 days to, uh, not to be crude, to put up or shut up. And that means actually going to the courthouse and actually filing a statement of claim, but they did send a lawyer's letter. I guess they're getting fed up. It's awfully late, though, to uh, affect the outcome of numerous wee charity investigations. I, that horse has really fled the barn, I think.
0: All right. I mean, what about this story about planting trees? The Liberal Party said they were going to plant it, billions and billions of trees. And it kind of fit in with the brand they're trying to go for. there, caring about the environment and putting back into the ground growth, natural, all those things. And who doesn't love trees? Now, we understand that they may not be planting those trees and that they could be uh, appealing to people like you and me to find, quote, the right place for the right t- tree. What does this say?
1: This is the Department of Natural Resources' a briefing note where this is a famous promise in the 2019 election mm-hmm. that uh, has not been fulfilled to date, and that was to plant 2 billion trees over 10 years under their climate change program. And the Department of Foreign Affairs, uh, rather Natural Resources Correction, states in this briefing note that they're relying in part on not only uh, provinces, municipalities, but also uh, private uh, homeowners, private landowners, to do their part by planting a tree. That's that's not what the promise said. We we looked it up, and we still have the twenty nineteen campaign book. You never throw those away, Arlie. No, <laughs> look up,
0: no, they're they're you <laughs> great reference there, yeah. <laughs>
1: Yeah, no, there's nothing in there about private landowners. Incidentally, Canada already has over 300 billion trees, according to the Yale School of Forestry. Uh, Trees, we got plenty.
0: I know, but we need them apparently in the right place, (laughs) maybe at the right time. I could use a couple, though, actually. You know, as long as they're big enough, I may be able to help them out. Finally, let me ask you, what about this? We're hearing a lot about taking down this and taking down web pages. It seems to be happening in a lot of governments these days. And now uh, this story about an advisor in the PMO wanting the public health agency to take down a web page that had recommended all essential workers wear COVID masks. And that was at the time the country was in short supply. And the PMO apparently complained that health authorities shouldn't have made the recommendation at the time and the health minister acknowledged that her agency was not prepared. What does this tell us? Because this is not, we seem to have getting a few of these, take it down and rework reality, may I say?
1: Yes. And and so much for following the science. Uh, In this case, The public health agency did follow the science, and they issued a web page. This, as you mentioned, is in the early innings of this terrible pandemic. And they said if you're an essential private sector worker, and they had lists. They actually listed scores and scores of truck drivers, meat cutters, farmers, uh, uh, postal workers, you name it, people whose jobs were deemed essential to the functioning of our country. And uh, the public health agency put up this web notice, said you really should have a mask. And the political aides in the prime minister's office didn't enjoy that very much and and debated whether to take it down. They decided not to in the end, I think, for fear of repercussions, but were intensely irritated. We see in internal emails they expressed what they described as displeasure, that they were not told, that the science did not tell them beforehand. And the reason that was a problem, of course, is, well, Arlene, this is where we started. They didn't follow their plan. And when you don't have Ah. the plan, then you start talking about taking down webpages and making up the story as you go along. It really is a never-ending tale, isn't it? (laughs) And and welcome to Ottawa.
0: (laughs) Welcome to Ottawa. It's so true. I mean, in those early days, it was please don't wear a mask. And then, of course, now I personally am hoping that people keep them on. Tom Korski, Managing Editor of Black Locks Reporter. Thank you, Tom. Appreciate it. My pleasure.
1: Thank you, kindly,
0: Arlene. We're going to take a break and we will return. Don't go away. For Alex Pearson, I'm Arlene Bunn and Global News Radio.